This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King, and this is where we discuss kitchen table topics that are banned from family gatherings, but necessary to maintaining a strong republic. And today, we're going to talk about the Target boycotts and the controversy, and we're going to talk about corrupted good, and whether or not that's what we're seeing. So, I have a favorite book. It's called Mere Christianity. And in the book, C.S. Lewis, who's one of my favorite authors, discussed this concept of corrupted good. And he's discussed it in the concept of, or in the context of morality and human nature. So Lewis doesn't necessarily specify or explicitly say the term corrupted good. That's kind of my take. That's kind of what I took from it. But what he does is he delves into this idea that good things can become twisted or corrupted when it's misused or pursued excessively. One of the key arguments that Lewis makes in his in, in this book is that human beings all have a moral compass which he calls the law of nature or the rule of right and wrong. And he suggests that this moral law is universally presented in human societies and serves as a guide for distinguishing between right and wrong. He points out that this failure to adhere to the moral law does not imply that there's an absence of the law itself, but rather... It's the corruption or the perversion of it. It means that as human beings, we choose to ignore what is morally correct and to indulge in what is societally pleasing or personally pleasing. But that doesn't mean that morals have left the room. He believes that when individuals deviate from this standard... They're simply perverting the good or distorting its true nature. He uses various examples such as excessive self-interest, which can lead to selfishness and a disregard of others. And he also discusses how legitimate desires such as desire for food or sex can become corrupted when pursued without proper boundaries. Or... In some ways, it can end up harming yourself or others. He emphasizes the importance of recognizing the distortion of good and and the need for moral self-examination. He also argues that humanity's failure to live up to the moral law points to a deeper problem within human nature and the need for redemption and restoration through God's grace. Totally agree. But why am I talking about this? What does it have to do with Target? Well, so I be because 
I'm looking at this whole situation. I'm looking at what's happening with our corporations and the repeated boycotts. And it makes me question some things. Most recently, we saw Bud Light was impacted because of their support of Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney is the grown man who pretends to be a little girl on the name of transitioning. Republicans went crazy. Like, we lost our minds. We, we, we just couldn't believe that Bud Light is doing this. Yes, I agree. It was an absolute bad move on behalf of this company. It put them in front of this political firing squad. But do we have all the facts? Do we care to have all the facts? Is there a fact that would change the emotional response? So the brand, actually, what happened was they sent Mulvaney a personalized pack of beer with this influencer's likeness as part of an ad for the company's March Madness contest to celebrate a year since Mulvaney began identifying as a woman. Now, in my opinion, celebrating a grown man for pretending to be a little girl is sick. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. But I'll be honest, I didn't hear that side of the story. What I heard were people who said that Bud Light had made Dylan the face of the brand. What I heard was, you know, just a a completely over-exaggerated version of what actually happened. And Anheuser-Busch CEO, Michelle Ducaris, said that he needed to clarify some facts, that what happened was it was one can with one influencer, one post, not a campaign. But do we really care? I mean, do we need a campaign or more than one can to be upset? Do we have a reason to do, do we do we really need a reason to burn it all down after knowing the, the, that that they were celebrating this man's quote unquote transition? Well, the CEO also said that the company is working to provide direct financial support to the frontline workers who were impacted by this boycott. The delivery workers, the sales reps, the wholesalers, the bar owners, the servers. You see, there were product that was purchased to be sold in small businesses that are now being shelved. But at least Bush knows not to do it again, right? I think that was the whole point. But now we have a new target, pun intended. And it's the Target store that has chosen to put out LGBTQ collection clothing that partners with a designer who promotes Satanism. And as a result, the boycotts have begun again. Some of us may call this just repercussions of their actions. Some may call it basic political risk. Some may say that the corporations must read the room and pay attention to their consumer base. I think all of that is true, depending on what side of the coin you're looking at. But I'm not here to discuss whether we can debate that or not. But what I'm not hearing is what I want to discuss. And what I'm not hearing, this call to action that is coming and being pushed by all of us conservatives, I'm including myself, is we're not calling it the cancel culture. 
It's not like we don't understand what the cancel culture is or what it can do. I mean, Ben Shapiro said when the cancel culture was being pushed by the left, and I agree with him, he said that there are a lot of concerns about the potential dangers and the negative consequences of the cancel culture. He argued that the cancel culture stifles free speech, promotes a culture of outrage, and suppresses dissenting opinions. I agree 100% with Ben. I totally agree. And I hate the cancel culture. I don't care who's doing it. I hate the concept. But what happens when the corporation being canceled is being canceled because they've offended the right now? It's not that the left is being offended. Now we're being offended. Are we now boycotting? Is it safe to say that the term boycotting has turned into a safe word so that we're not using the term cancel? Are we not attempting to cancel these corporations? Or are we just sending them a message? Do we believe Target and Bud Light have a right to do what they've done as a private business? Do we believe that as believers, as, as Christians, that those who are on the right have a duty to right the wrongs or else? Or have we been sucked into this concept of corrupted good. Are we now shushing the left, demanding traditional values be restored, all in the name of righteousness? Have we turned good intentions, fighting for the republic, into personal vendettas? At this point, I don't even know if we have a plan or if we have a goal. I feel like we're just mad. I feel like we're mad and we're saying that we're mad because we're fighting the devil and or, or what is morally wrong. Or are we just defending our side? There's a lot of questions that I have. Something else that Ben Shapiro said that I want to add is that he contends that creating that 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 the cancel culture creates an environment where individuals fear expressing their thoughts or engaging in open dialogue due to the fear of being targeted and canceled for their beliefs. He also argues that instead of engaging in dialogue and allowing for debate and education, the cancel culture often seeks to silence individuals or entities deemed offensive or problematic. I will venture to say that that's what's happening. If you don't think that, as a conservative, you're participating in the cancel culture, I'm hoping that through listening through this episode you will hear some things that may shine a bit of a light on that because that is a concern for me. I happen to think that any form of the cancel culture, any usage of any aspect of the cancel culture is rooted in communism. And I know that's a tough pill to swallow because we re are repulsed by anything that seemingly comes from the concept of communism. We talk about it a lot. We're totally against it. However, the reason why the Communist Manifesto was extremely dangerous 
weapon is because a lot of the tactics, a lot of the the tools that are being utilized are things that are uncommon, things that are quiet, things that are under the surface. It seems to be loud, but is it? You see, it's easier to spot communism when we're talking about men getting pregnant or LGBTQ issues that are extremely anti-anything traditional or even makes sense when you're telling me there's 76 genders. But it's really hard to spot it when the tables are turned. And if we haven't learned it yet... We're about to see the power of communism and their tactics put on full display. So we're going to take a break. But after the break, we're going to break down where I'm coming from, why I feel this way, why I think that it is an urgency for us to pay attention, particularly as conservatives. Because what you don't want to do is find yourself going against all of your own core values all in the name of righteousness and doing what's right. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. So, Robert, I want to thank you for your time. I just don't think you're the right person for this position. I don't understand. Was it something I said? Well, we did a background check on you and found some things of concern. If you're in charge of hiring for your company, you know how helpful a background screening can be. That's why companies that use Horizon Background Screening make smarter hiring decisions. Don't let the wrong hire put your company at risk. Get the real story on your candidates at horizonscreening.com. Horizonscreening.com. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. This is Extra 106.3. And if you're joining us for the first time, don't worry. You'll be able to catch the full episode on my podcast, which is airing this coming Tuesday. And I've done something for you all. Because it is so hard to find all the different platforms that I'm on. So I made it a little bit easier, or at least I try to make it a little bit easier, by creating a website, which you can all go to, called allthingsjking.com. That's allthingsjking.com, where you can find a link to listen to, to anything at any time, whenever you want it. You just go there. <laughs> so before the break, I opened the discussion by talking about the term or the, or the concept of corrupted good that I discovered after reading Mere Christianity with C.S. Lewis. So if you're joining me for the first time, I'm sure you may be a little bit confused because you're like, what are you talking about? What is corrupted, corrupted good? Why are we talking about this? Well, let me explain. There's a lot that's happening with our major corporations right now. We have Bud Light that was boycotted and seemingly canceled. Target failed right behind it. And I recently heard something about Kohl's possibly joining the cancel company list because they had some baby clothing that had LGBTQ stuff on it. So, I mean, not canceled because remember, as conservatives, we call it boycotting. We don't call it canceling. But anyway, 
But as a Republican, I found myself asking some fellow conservatives why. If we are the party of free market principles, if we're the party that believe in private businesses and that, that, and that private businesses should have the right to do whatever they wish, then why are we celebrating the demise that's coming as a result of the cancel culture? Are we simply using the same communist tactics and instead of calling it the cancel culture, we're calling it boycotting because we need to make a statement? Or is this an example of corrupted good? Is this something that we started out with good, you know, by standing up to the things that we see that are wrong? Have we now turned in it into now taking down businesses? And look, like everyone else, I absolutely believe that we shouldn't step foot into a Target. I mean, I just do. That's my personal opinion. But, but for me, it's because I do feel that there is a blatant disrespect that has taken place as a follower of Christ that enrages me. But that rage is an emotion. And now that I feel this emotion that's now driving me to make a decision, I now have to ask myself if my response is rooted in that emotion or if it's rooted in logic. And then I also have to ask myself if my response is rooted in the values that I claim to espouse. I mean, as Americans, we have to make sure that we're looking at everything that's happening in our country from every single angle. Everything that is bad can also, and in most likely, in a lot of cases, I'll say, maybe not say also, but in most cases, it can be traced back to something good. Think about the idea of inclusiveness. The idea of inclusiveness is a good idea. We should be inclusive. We should include everyone, every perspective, every conversation into the discussion. But it gets corrupted when that intention now turns into including people who claim that they can get pregnant, although they don't have a uterus. That's now corrupted good. And we can't do this all in the name of inclusiveness. Here's another example. SeaWorld. Do y'all remember SeaWorld? So in 2013... A documentary called Blackfish was released, and the primary focus of this documentary, Blackfish, was to shed light on the treatment of captive killers, I'm sorry, captive killer orcas or killer whales, but they're known as orcas. I'm married to an animal expert. He would not be happy if I didn't use the correct term. And so they created this documentary because they claimed that these these, these killer whales, these orcas, were being held captive and mistreated. They specifically examined a particular story about a captive orca, that's what they call it, captive orca, um, who was involved in the deaths of several trainers at SeaWorld. And the film explored the circumstances surrounding this, these instances and delved into the potential factors that might have contributed to this orca's behavior. Oddly enough, <laughs> I mean, well, 
wasn't surprising. They felt like it was because they weren't in the wild and it was just a whole bunch of other stuff. But there was a major problem with this documentary. The data and the interviews that were used, there was some misinformation mixed in there. They didn't get the other side of the story. And it turns out that the orcas were treated very well. Like in most cases, people who work with animals tend to love the animals. People who don't like animals tend to not work with animals. (laughs) So in a lot of cases, our animals are, they're fine. But guess what? The damage was done. And now SeaWorld took a huge hit and a lot of jobs were lost. This is the danger when we abandon our principles and we start to lean into our emotions. We fail to ask questions. And in some cases, we determine that the questions are irrelevant or that I've seen enough. I don't need to ask any more questions because I already saw what I saw. I saw Dylan Mulvaney holding a Bud Light can. I don't care what the backstory is. If I see anyone from that community holding that product, and if I see that 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 company is not coming out against that person for holding that product, that is all I need to see. That's where a lot of conservatives are right now. But I'm passionate about this because I don't want to see conservatives turn into the new cancel culture. I don't want to see the pendulum swing to where we are now behaving exactly like the other side when it comes to these type of issues. And essentially, we begin to aid in the takedown of our country, all in the name of doing what is right. This is how you become corrupt. This is how your good becomes corrupted. Let me tell you why I don't like what I'm seeing when it comes to how we're approaching the whole Target situation, then the Bud Light, and now Coles. I feel like it just seems like there's a lot, it's a lot like what we don't understand and the difference between taking a stance as an individual and participating in the cancel culture. I don't quite understand the difference. I feel like you're treading a line. We got to make sure that we understand the purpose of the cancel culture to make sure that we're not utilizing these communist tactics in order to make a point. Because if you're just deciding that you don't want to shop at Target anymore, and that's your individual decision, I'm all for that. Freedom, freedom, freedom. But if you're rallying the troops, creating a mob, we're doing something different. So let's look at the universal purpose of the cancel culture. Now, the original purpose, this is the universal purpose that came out a few years ago. The purpose of the cancel culture, as perceived by its proponents, is to hold individuals and entities accountable for their actions, statements, or beliefs that are deemed offensive, harmful, or in violation of social norms. The aim is to create consequences for behavior that is considered morally objectable, I'm sorry, objectionable, discriminatory, or oppressive. 
advocates of the cancel culture argue that it serves as a form of social justice activism seeking to change and address systematic issues such as racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, and other forms of discrimination. They believe that by publicly calling out and withdrawing support from individuals and entities involved in problematic behavior, it sends a message that such behavior will not be tolerated and encourages societal change. Proponents also argue that the cancel culture amplifies the voices and concerns of marginalized communities who have who have historically been silenced or overlooked. They view it as a means for those affected by oppressive actions or attitudes to reclaim power, demand accountability, and seek justice. Additionally, Cancel culture is seen by some as a mechanism for education and awareness by publicizing and critiquing problematic behavior. It aims to educate the public about the harmful impact of certain actions or beliefs, fostering a greater understanding and sensitivity towards marginalized groups. That's a huge definition, but if you didn't hear a little bit of what we're doing as conservatives to these corporations in that, then you weren't listening. I've heard a conservative argument for each of these points. I have heard the left, I've heard ar- the argument that the left wants us to be silenced. Therefore, we will show them that we are here by pulling out pulling out our dollars. That sounds like the cancel culture's amplifying voices and concerns of the marginalized communities who have historically been silenced or overlooked. Republicans. I've heard that we're shining the light on the satanic behavior that's coming from the left. Well, that sounds like cancel culture is seen by some as a mechanism for education and awareness. And if you do not see the boycotting of these businesses and the cancel culture and your participation in cancel culture, then you're lying to yourself. Using cancel culture tactics is using communist tactics. Certain aspects of the cancel culture aligned with, with, with tactics used by some proponents of communist ideology. Today, I see the cancel culture being a being used as a tool to silence dissent, to control speech and to enforce ideological conformity. We cannot be a party of freedom, freedom of expression, freedom of speech and so forth, while also undermining these principles of free speech and open dialogue, which are central to our our republic. And before anyone says that it sounds like you're defending Target, let me stop you right there. Because if your mind automatically goes to the in defense of argument, you're missing the entire point. Matter of fact, you may be participating in this. When I say I believe in freedom, I mean freedom for all people. Every person 
and every corporation has the right to choose life or death, right or wrong. I believe that we have the right to choose where we want to spend our dollars. But when we actively push a campaign to end a company, we must accept that we are also choosing to join the mob, which is called the cancel culture. We must also become accepting of those on the left who choose to join their mob in support of whatever they feel should be canceled. We can't get mad at them if we're not mad at ourselves. The primary purpose of the cancel culture is to teach a lesson, is to prove to the person or the company that you're upset with what they have done and that it's right and that you're right and that they are wrong and that they need to stop doing whatever they deem that is wrong or else. It's not about the cause. This is this is not about the cause. I'm not upset about the cause. I'm upset about the concept. I want to see this country brought back to God just as much as everyone else. I, but responding to the moral law that lives inside of each of us is how that happens. But I understand that we can do that if we're focused on the cause. But we got to pay attention to the concept. What are we choosing to utilize in order to make our point? We can neglect the effects all we want. But at the end of the day, there is an attack on our country. We are at war both spiritually and naturally. And the entire country is at war, not Republicans and Democrats. Our entire country. And the enemy isn't Americans. It's our adversaries. It's the countries who seek to bring us down without firing a single bullet. If we cancel businesses and add to the pressure that our businesses are already under, meaning they're already being told that if you don't bow down to the culture, we will kill your business. Now, on the flip side, we have conservatives who are saying, but if you bow down to the to culture, then we're going to kill your business. As a small business owner, this doesn't sit right with me. It makes me feel extremely uncomfortable. I feel like we're both doing the same thing all in the name of righteous indignation and out of all in the name of righteousness. But what are we going to do when businesses actually go away? I mean, think about it. Our small businesses were hit extremely hard during COVID. There is a report that the Federal Reserve put out that estimated that from February to April 2020, around 22% of small businesses were temporarily closed. And there were significant concerns about the long-term viability. And then another study that was done by Yelp in September of 2020 reported that around 60% of U.S. businesses listed as temporarily closed on their platform has permanently closed. 60%. Our major corporations make up 49% of our employed population. When businesses lose money, majority of the time, those who are in charge, they don't feel the effects. The people that you think 
are, are you're, you're getting to, they're not the ones that's being impacted. It's the employees who are feeling the effect. When a stock tanks, a company now moves into how do we reduce cost mode? You know how you do that? Through layoffs. Because labor is typically the highest cost in every single business. Along with layoffs comes supply chain disruptions, financial market uh, uh, volatility, economic concept, I mean, I'm sorry, economic confidence and, and sentiment is impacted because large corporations often serve as indicators of economic health and stability. So when they fail, it's a huge problem, which then leads to government intervention and bailouts, which is something else that we're totally against. So are we proving a point or are we increasing our unemployment numbers? It's, I mean, are we looking at the, do the facts matter at all? I mean, what are we doing? Because once the stock tanks, the impact is felt. And what happens next? Are we happy if a company says, well, as a result of your actions, I will no longer sell these items. Is that all we want? Is that what we want from this deal? Do we want an apology? Truly, what are we doing? That is the question. And to me, it all sounds like we simply just want to be right. It's like our need to be right is so important that we can't see that we're no longer fighting evil. Instead, we're just fighting our liberal neighbor. You did this, and you may have gotten points over there, but now listen to us. Republicans are being heard. Conservatives are being felt. Our concerns are here, and we're making a point. We're making a statement, and we feel good about that. But are we fighting for the republic, or are we participating in the breakdown of our country? Hmm. Something I want us all to think about. Because I don't hear enough about the effects of these decisions. I don't hear enough about whether or not we are actually making change. Are we leading people to truth? Like, what points are we really making? Where do we really stand in the grand scheme of things? And when it comes to all of this, where are we? I can hear you are. I can hear people right now saying, okay, Janelle, okay, so are you saying that we should just turn the other cheek? Are you saying we should be quiet and allow evil to win? Nope. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that we should examine our tactics. I'm saying that we need to pay attention to the effects of our decisions. And I just think that there is a better way to address this issue. I think there are things that we should consider. And I really want us to kind of dive into that. And I'm going to share that after the break because 
I am deeply, deeply concerned because I don't know where this all ends. It feels like America's on this hamster wheel. Where we're just continuing to kind of turn and spin in our own little size of the aisle while the pendulum is just swinging back and forth. No one's actually considering the other side of the coin. And it almost feels like it's a bad thing to look at the other side of the coin. And that's a major concern for me. If you are conservative and you feel that feeling inside of you that's like, hmm, if I even look at the other side to try to see if there's anything I can agree with, you start to feel bad about it because the other side is flat out wrong. Or if you're a liberal, you're having that same emotion where you don't even want to look to the other side, then you're definitely in another position. You're definitely the person I need to talk to. Because if we ever get to a point where we're no longer looking at the other side of the coin, no matter what side you're on, you're wrong, and we're all participating in communist tactics. So after the break, I'm going to dive into this issue. A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hey, sandwich lovers, today's your lucky day. There's a whole new way to roll for lunch or dinner delight with Nucky's Hoagies in the Roswell Corners Shopping Center. Now open, Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell is family owned and operated by the subsisters, Stacy and Shannon, whose love language is food and Nucky's Hoagies, their passion. When you bite into a Nucky's Hoagie, you'll taste the difference. The softest hoagie rolls ever, along with hunger-quenching sandwich combinations. Make Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell on Woodstock Road your new favorite spot for lunch or dinner. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King, and I am your host, Janelle King, and this is Extra 106.3. Before the break, I shared my heart as to why I'm totally against the cancel culture, even when conservatives use it to their advantage. If you're joining me for the first time, don't worry. You can listen to the full episode of my podcast. It will be uploaded on this coming Tuesday. And I have something new that I'm doing as well. If you're a reader and you don't want to hear all my pauses and all of my emotions, I'm sharing the transcript. I will be posting the transcript of my podcast on the Peach Pundit that will also drop this Tuesday as well. And if all of this is a bit confusing, you can go to allthingsjking.com to grab the link to listen or to read. So we ended the last segment with the question, what do we do when we see these type of injustices? If we can't participate in the cancel culture, if we can't be a part of the boycotts and we don't want to be someone who's calling for mob takedowns of businesses, if we want the business to feel 
that we're upset with the decision you're making as a consumer. But we also don't want to add to killing our economy. What do we do? I mean, should I continue to support Target or do I make a personal decision to stop supporting them and not say anything? How do I fight injustice while also participate while also not participating in the cancel culture? That's a real question. That's a question that I have for myself. It's a question that I have deeply pondered on because I really believe that what's happening in our businesses, that the actual culture itself, not the corporation, but the culture that's impacting these corporations, that's driving our young people who are huge voices right now to push our businesses in these directions, I really feel like we are in caught between a rock and a hard place. So I have a few suggestions, but let me start by saying this. I believe in the moral law that resides inside of all of us. I don't just believe it exists. I believe that it's alive and active. I believe it's a compass that can sometimes be ignored, but it can never be removed. Everyone can be rehabilitated. And I really believe that. I truly believe we all know right from wrong. And even if it's just a small gut feeling that can't be expressed in words, this is why I'm such a strong advocate of the of the market, of the free market, and letting the market kind of drive these outcomes is because even if it's just that little small gut feeling that you can't express, it's still there. And it doesn't mean that you're not free to choose where you want to shop. Of course you can. I mean, you're, you have the freedom to decide on what you want to support. But it means that you don't feel the obligation to change the hearts and minds of others. And I know there are people who are probably extremely nervous or upset about what I just said because they feel like it is our duty to change the hearts and minds of others. But see, I believe that it's our duty to lead people to truth and that transformation is something that only comes from God. I just, I don't believe that as humans, we can transform other humans. I don't believe in people who marry for potential because that's what I think that is, right? I think that you will potentially grow into this and I'm going to help you get there because I can change you. That never works because we can't change people. We can lead them to truth. But when we get caught up in all of our emotions and we start to make decisions based on what we feel and how we feel, we lose sight of the effects of our actions. We look at the corporation and not the neighbor next door who's going to lose their job because of the emotionally driven boycotts. As a conservative, we're supposed to be the party that is pro-free market. We're supposed to be pro-private businesses and the ability to make private decisions. We're supposed to support businesses that do these things. 
We should be encouraging corporations to stand strong in their core values, regardless of the pressure they may feel from the consumer base. And I know that it's extremely hard because a business is in business to make money. If you're not making money and turning a profit, you are have you have an extremely expensive hobby. So listening to the consumer base is important. But what happens when that consumer base is telling you to do something that's outside of your personal core values? We need to pray for them. That is an extremely difficult decision. And two evangelicals, and I'm speaking to the choir because I consider myself to be an evangelical. God has always used whom he pleases whenever he pleases to accomplish what he pleases. That's always been the case. His plans are not our plans. Your happiness is not the focus. There's a bigger play at hand. And there are plenty of times throughout the Old Testament when I saw times where God chose to harden hearts in order to accomplish and carry out a plan. He used leaders and plenty of leaders who worshiped other gods to carry out a plan. Now, it didn't end well for a lot of those leaders, but nonetheless, it was a necessary purpose. I mean, look at the 12 disciples. He didn't threaten to cancel their businesses. Matter of fact, in some cases... He blessed them and gave, made them more successful in some ways, which drew them to him because it was done through love and kindness. I think we repel the notion of showing love to the dark because it's just hard to do. We don't want nothing more than lives where we can choose to live in our emotions. I mean, it just feels like a warm blanket to just live in your emotions. (laughs) Whereas standing for kindness and love and being kind to people that you don't agree with kind of feels like you're standing naked in the cold. That's because it's not for the purpose of making you feel good. We're not asked to be kind to people so that you can feel good. Challenging times serve a dual purpose. It allows you to educate as well as to grow. That's where the real education comes in. And when we see blatant disrespect and abuse of power, let's ask ourselves a few questions. What is the point? What are we seeking to accomplish? Why must it be a public whipping? What is the desired outcome? And how do I know when it's being when my outcome is being accomplished? Let's make sure that we are not furthering the divide because we refuse to have the tough conversations, because we refuse to let the market work, because we refuse to operate in kindness. You may get what you need without destroying the business. We can't afford to display actions at the end and nothing is accomplished. So what is the goal? And at the end of it all, are we leading people to truth so that they can decide Or are we now in business of trying to transform people into the way we think they should be? So let's get off this hamster wheel. Let's stop racing to be the last man standing. And let's make decisions that will lead to the changed behaviors that, that will come at the mercy of our own decisions. We've talked about it. Now you go talk about it. 
Let's begin to encourage people to operate through kindness while also giving people truth. Let's not be hateful. Let's not post things. It's like, yeah, that company's stocks are dropping. Woohoo! Let's not be that person. Let's be different. Let's be the change we want to see. Thank you for listening. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Is there chaos in your closet? Look, Blouse, you've got some nerve hanging there like that. I can't help it. I'm jammed in here next to this suit. Hey, I'm a three-piece, all right, which means I need a little more room. You've got a lot of attitude for a linen suit. I'm a polyester blend, sweetheart. There needs to be room for men's clothes, too. Hi, I'm Christina, and in Artisan Custom Closets, we help families organize and simplify their closets with customized storage solutions. See what's possible for your home at artisancustomcloset.com and then call us for a free in-home consultation. 